listener and welcome to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Thank you so much for finding time to join me. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Lydia Cheng is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today, she will be talking about the lessons we don't want to learn. Pastor Stanton Mutherspoon will also be joining us during the Bible segment. Today, he'll be talking about Jesus in the house. Stay tuned for this and some songs which are in store for you. Here's a song, Wanadamu, by Kurasini Church Choir. a new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Get ready to listen to Lydia Cheng with the Family Life segment. Be blessed. Hello dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. Today's topic is Lessons We Don't Want to Learn. Let us pray before we begin. Lord, thank you so much for this marriage message. I pray that we may use it for our marriages and that it may be a blessing unto us, that our lives may be pleasing before your eyes. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Which one of us would want to volunteer to learn a lesson from someone we don't presently like or respect, someone that has an attitude we don't appreciate? Which one of us would volunteer to learn a lesson from someone who rubs our failures in our face or isn't gracious in the way they teach us? They may appear to be the least likely person we think we should have to tolerate teaching us something. But do you think that God could and can use them to do so? Yes, he will. In thinking about this type of situation, I'm reminded of the scriptures in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 and 9 where God declares, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways." Sometimes it's humanly impossible to understand God's ways concerning certain things he allows or even causes to happen. We can see throughout time that God has used enemies of his people to teach them things they wouldn't listen to or know in any other way. He used people who even mocked him to carry out his missions. I'll never understand that this side of heaven. And there I say that he uses even our spouse and or others when they are the least likely ones we would want to learn from. I've seen this repeatedly both in my own life and in the life of others. Years ago, I came across something written by Oswald Chambers in his book My Atmost for His Highest that helped me to open my mind to this when it happens. Yet even after reading this, I still struggle sometimes. But as former missionary Elizabeth Elliot once said, when I hear someone say they are struggling with something, it is usually found that it is a case of delayed obedience, and that's true with me at times. In the chapter titled The Commission of the Call, Oswald Chambers wrote about being true Christ followers and how God sometimes uses people and events that we least expect he would use to help us to live as we are called. We pray you will hear what he wrote with an open mind and heart. We make calls out of our own spirituality, but when we get right with God, he brushes all this aside and rivets us with a pain that is terrific to the one thing we never dreamed of, and for one flashing moment we see what he is after and we say, "Here am I, send me." That's found in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. This call has nothing to do with personal sanctification, but with being made into broken bread and poured out wine. Yet God can never make us into wine if you object to the fingers he chooses to use to crush us. We say, if God would only use his own fingers and make us broken bread and poured out wine in a special way, then I wouldn't object. But when he uses someone we dislike or some set of circumstances to which we said we would never submit to crush us, then we object. Yet we must never try to choose the place of our own martyrdom. If we are ever going to be made into wine as God calls us to be, we will have to be crushed. You cannot drink grapes. Grapes become wine only when they have been squeezed. I wonder what finger and thumb God has been using to squeeze you. Have you been as hard as a marble and escaped? If you are not ripe yet and if God has squeezed you anyway, the wine produced would have been remarkably bitter. To be a holy person means that the elements of our natural life experience the very presence we have to be placed into god and brought into agreement with him before we can be broken bread in his hands stay right with god and let him do as he likes and you will find that he is producing the kind of bread and wine that will benefit his other children as well oswald chambers also wrote the following that brings this point home even farther a saint's life is in the hands of god like a bow and arrow in the hands of an archer God is aiming at something the saint cannot see and he stretches and strains and every now and again the saint says I cannot stand any more God does not heed 
he goes on stretching till his purpose is in sight. Then he lets fly. Trust yourself in God's hands. Maintain your relationship to Jesus Christ by the patience of faith. Though he slay me, yet will I wait for him. Faith is not a pathetic sentiment, but robust, vigorous confidence built on the fact that God is holy love. You cannot see him just now. You cannot understand what he is doing, but you know him. We don't know what God is doing in your life and in your marriage, but we pray that even though he may be crushing you like grapes or pouring you out like wine or stretching you as a bow and arrow or is taking you through a time when you cannot see and the strain of it is more than you think you can stand at times, we pray you will trust him because you know his heart. We pray that if God uses your spouse to say something to you and even if it is said in a way that enrages you, even then you will trust yourself in God's hands and pay attention to the right that may be hidden within the wrong that your spouse is presenting it. Author Stomi Omashen wrote something in her powerful book, Praying Through the Deeper Issues of Marriage, that may help if what she is saying is hidden. We have to get to the point in our marriage where we live with a repentant heart all the time, a heart that says, I am willing to see my errors, and no matter how I have been offended by the things my spouse has done, I will clean house on my own soul, I will pray to have eyes to see the truth about myself before I pray the same for my husband or wife. Lord, please open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm chapter 139 verse 23 and 24. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. Tune to Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. This is your presenter, Samuel Magdown. Our producer would love to have your thoughts about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist All Radio, PO Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to Crescini Church Choir with the song, Yesu Nimfalme.
opportunity to get some spiritual nourishment from Pastor Stanton. Welcome Pastor. Hello and a very warm welcome. Today our topic is caption Jesus in the house. Let us pray. Father in heaven, We thank you for another opportunity before your feet. We ask, Lord, that you teach us as we live day by day. Speak to our hearts this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. We will study Mark chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 briefly. And in Mark chapter 2 verse 1 to 5, there's a very interesting story there about Jesus and the paralytic. It begins to say, And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Pause there for a moment. As Jesus was going on his his joining, healing the sick, raising the dead, and, and ministering to people, it was said that he entered Capernaum. And Capernaum was one of the cities that Jesus worked lots of his miracles because the people in Capernaum was um, interested in physical work. They wanted to see what Jesus could actually do. It was also in Capernaum that Jesus uh, healed the leopard. It was also in Capernaum that Jesus did most of his miracles in Capernaum. Now, when Jesus came back from Galilee and passed through Capernaum, it was sounded all around that Jesus is in Capernaum. Jesus is around. So many people came running to Jesus who were sick so that Jesus could help them and to heal them. But we see, it says, as Jesus' custom was as often as possible, he stood in the wilderness, he stood on the mountaintop and preached and he was walking by the wayside and, and healed. Most of Jesus' activities was done outside. But this a portion about a Jesus in Capernaum, it says Jesus was in the house. So why did Jesus went into the house? My dear friends, Jesus went into the house to set an example for us Christians today. When Jesus was sending out the 12 disciples, he sent them out. He said, go in Matthew chapter 10. Go for those who are dying. Go for those who need salvation. And whenever you reach to a home, and if it doesn't receive you, knock off your feet and go out. Jesus sent these disciples into homes to be able to teach people, to talk to them. Now, when Jesus entered the house in Capernaum, many people came around and the place was very crowded. Verse 2 says, Immediately many gathered together. There was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And he preached the word. Jesus preached the word of God to them, first before even working miracles to them. And then something happened. Then came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. There was four gentlemen who were bringing their friend to Jesus. Jesus, the miracle worker. Jesus, uh, the savior. Jesus, who could raise the dead. Jesus, who could make the blind to see. Jesus, who could make the sick to be healthy again. So they brought their friend on a stretcher. Four men, two to the front, two to the back. Bringing this man. This man's sickness was being displayed 
and brought to Jesus. But they reached the point that they couldn't enter the house because why? In verse 2 says, there were many people so that there was no longer room in the house. People were all to the window, to the door. So they couldn't enter to where Jesus was. But verse 4 tells us, And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let him down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. Now the question is asked here, how do you think these men, after they try to, to enter the house, if it was uh, Christians of today, they have done well. They took this man from whom? Brought this man to Jesus. Oh man, this place is so crowded and we cannot make it. Oh, this is not our time. We gave up right there. These four men who brought their friend who was uh, paralyzed, they were consistent. They were persistent. They were determined. They wanted to go to Jesus in as much as Jesus was in the house. They sought ways and means to get their friend to Jesus because they knew what Jesus could do. But then I'll ask a question to you again as they climb up the roof of the house. How do you think they got to know the exact position of Jesus to be able to uncover the roof and to bring this paralytic man right in front of Jesus? They must have gone from one point to another point to another point on the roof. So how did they really found the position of Jesus? These four paralytic men listening to the voice of Jesus as Jesus was preaching the word according to verse 2 and he preached the word to them as Jesus was preaching the word to them, they listened to the voice of Jesus. These four persistent paralytic men sat on the roof. Where actually is Jesus? Is he on this corner? So let's keep quiet and listen. Most often as us Christians, the noise is already around us from the word. There's so much noise around to the extent that we don't even find time to listen to Jesus. To find that moment where we can listen to Jesus Jesus is speaking to us each and every day. He's preaching the word to us each and every day. All we need to do as persistent Christians, if we may say, or as we may say, we need to find time to listen to Jesus. And when do we actually uh, have this moment, this time to be able to listen to Jesus? I say to you, because of the noise, because of the stress, because of, of the ups and downs in our world, in our society today. We got to wake up as early as possible to catch the matter to get to work. We got to wake up as early as possible so that we can be on time for school. We have to wake up as early as possible to get things done. We are so busy in the word. And as Jesus is continuing to speak to us, we are not listening to him. And yet we are praying and thinking that he doesn't listen to us. And yet we are talking and praying and talking about him and feel that he's not close to us. Christ is speaking every day. All we need to do is to find time to listen to him. A time where we can have a one-on-one tete-a-tete with God. A one-on-one talk with him so that our lives can be improved. And that's as, as early as possible in the morning when everything is calm, cool, still. That's when we need to talk to Christ. As we yearn to meet the demands of this word, let us also strive to meet the demands of Christ. All Christ wants for us is to draw closer to him. And as he's draw closer to us, our lives will never be the same. Back to the story. As these four men listened to the voice of Jesus on the roof, they were able to find the exact position and they brought their friend down to Jesus. And in verse 5, there's something very interesting I want you to look at. 
If you have a Bible with you, wherever you are, even on your phone, just turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 5. This is the point that we're going to take home. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Did you see something there? Look at it again. I'm talking about Mark chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Yeah, we see it only the paralytic who was healed there. Yes, it was the paralytic only who was healed. But Jesus' statement was not ex uh, directed to the paralytic alone. Look at the fifth word. One, two, three, four, five. The fifth word there is faith. Before faith, what comes before faith is their faith. When Jesus saw the faith of the four men plus the paralytic man also, he told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus saw the faith of these four friends who brought their friend to Jesus because of persistence, because of, of, the, of them able to, to listen to Jesus as he spoke. May this lesson go down into our hearts. Christ is speaking every day. All we need to do is to listen. Will Jesus hear us when he's in the house? Or will we hear Jesus when we're outside of the house? In Jesus' name, amen. That brings us to the end of our program for today. I hope that you've been blessed. We'd like to have your views, comments, or questions about the show by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 4276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Join me next time, same place, same time. But until then, may our God keep you safe. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mangi. Ya 